This is the NBC Theater. From the NBC Theater in Hollywood, we bring you an hour-length drama based on Stendhal's magnificent novel, The Red and the Black. The adaptation for radio is by Ernest Canoy of NBC and is part of a college-supervised course in world literature. But more of that later. Here now, the NBC Theater version of The Red and the Black by Stendhal. France, 1830. The revolution is dead. The Bourbon king is planted firmly on the throne. The red flag is trampled in the dust. Liberty, equality, fraternity are no more. All Europe slumbers under the heavy drug of monarchy, legitimacy, respectability. But a specter hangs over the chancelleries, the crowns, and the silk-stockinged courtiers. The specter of a dead man, his army scattered, his empire dissolved. And yet in the back streets of Paris, in the small towns of the French countryside, his name is whispered. Napoleon. Long live the Emperor Napoleon. Yes, that's what we shouted as the regiment charged. Long live the Emperor did you take the fort, Fouquet? We did, Julien. We went through those Prussians like a knife through cheese. That was the day I won my cross. May I see it again? Here. Here, under my coat. Yeah. Yeah, look at it, Julien. In the old days, it was the highest honor a Frenchman could receive. And now, I have to hide it under my coat. They say Durand, the barber, is in jail for subscribing to radical newspapers from Paris. Evil days, Julien. Take yourself... You're 19. In the Emperor's time, you could have been an officer and a Marshal of France by the time you were 30. You're a boy of ability. I'm a carpenter's son. That didn't matter then. All you had to have was brains. Nowadays, that counts against you. If only I'd lived then. It's the same all over France. There's no way for a talented man to get to the top. Unless he was born there or comes from a rich family. There is one way. But you've got to play their game. I can't be a soldier anymore. I can't climb right to the top in a military uniform. But I can wear the uniform of my time. Black. You're on dangerous ground, Julien. I know what I'm doing. I've been studying theology three years with Father Chalant. I even memorized the New Testament to please him. I'm going to get to the top and nothing is going to stand in my way. If they want hypocrisy, that's what they'll get. Julien, is this the spirit of the revolution? Is this the spirit of the emperor? No, but it's the spirit of today. The emperor is dead. The revolution is over. You want power? You've got to be on their side, and the only way open to me is in black. I'll be an archbishop before I'm 30. You're aiming high. I know what I'm doing. I've read the life of Napoleon. He got what he wanted. So will I. Julian! Julian, you lazy, lop-eared featherhead, where are you? Every time I want that boy, I have to chase across the whole village. Julian! I'm right here, Father. That's the way it is. Your brothers and I sweat at the sawmill, and you sit on your dead end like a gentleman, doing what? (laughs) Reading. Give me that book. No, no, it isn't mine. Give it here! Memoirs of St. Helena. Another book about Napoleon. You want to get in trouble with the police? I'll fix that. Father, you can't... Shut up! Now, 
Get your rubbish together and get over to the mayor's house. To Monsieur Renard, why? 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 Because he's a bigger fool than I thought. He wants you to tutor his children. No one in town ever had a tutor before. Now get started. But he didn't ask me. I settled it. You get 400 francs a year and a black suit. He hired you because you're half a priest already. Am I going to be a servant? I won't eat with the stable boys. I won't. Oh, listen, nobleman. You'll eat with the horses if I say so. But you won't have to. It's all settled. You'll teach Renal's brats Latin and stay out of trouble. Now collect your rubbish and get out. Madame Renal, a young man to see you. Bring him in, Elisa. But I... But... Yes, what is it? Madame, he's just a peasant boy. He's in his shirt sleeves with his coat under his arm. If it's one of my husband's workmen, tell him to go to the town hall in the morning. Yes, madame. It's that Sorel boy. He's stuck up anyway. Wait a minute. The carpenter's son? That's right, madame. Learning Latin. <laughs> the whole town's talking about him. He's very delicate looking, isn't he? Hmm, he's a good-looking boy. Uh, does madame know him? I've seen him in church. Show him in, Elisa. Oh, madame. Go on, bring him in. But how shall I announce him? As monsieur? Him, a peasant? Oh. Monsieur Julien Sorel. Come in, won't you, monsieur? Good evening, madame. Uh, uh, good evening. You look so young. Do you really know Latin? I've been taught by Father Chalin. I shouldn't be speaking to you. My husband will be furious. If I'm not good enough, I can leave? No. No, it's just that Monsieur Renal is so careful about the proprieties. You're paler than you were in church. Madame saw me in church? Yes. That's why I agreed when my husband suggested you as tutor. I was afraid he'd engage some strange scholar who would beat my children. Madame is aware that I intend to enter holy orders. Oh, yes, I know. And you look so gentle. And you will forgive me. Shy. I am a peasant, madame. I am not used to the company of the great. Please, don't be angry with me, Monsieur Sorel. I just wanted to plead with you, not to beat the children. Why should I? I'm so relieved. I was sure a delicate boy like yourself would understand. But I had to speak to you. My husband would be so upset if he knew. Who is this? Oh, Monsieur Sorel. Leave us, Sophie. But I wanted... Leave us. Yes, yes, of course. Now, <clears throat> to business. Father Chalan has recommended you to me as a diligent scholar and master Latinist. And I assume you are politically sound. No Bonapartism, I'm sure. Believe me, sir, I detest that tyrant and usurper. Of course, of course. Very well, Sorel, I will give orders that the servants are to address you as monsieur. Tomorrow you go to Appair, the tailor, for a black suit. I want you to look dignified. When shall I start the lessons, monsieur? Immediately. I want my children taught religion, honesty, and generosity. Generosity, Sorel? Ah, that reminds me. Tell the tailor to use the second best cloth. So, all day long, I keep my eyes cast down and I shudder at the name of Napoleon. <laughs> it's going well, Julien? Yes, yes, Renal is afraid I'll leave him for Valino. 
I hinted that I'd gotten an offer already. Oh, did you? No, nobody raised my salary. He's a beast, thinks only of making a profit. That's the kind of man that rules very air today. And old Franz, Julien. I'll rule him, though. I'll defeat him. I'll use him. And uh, how does Madame treat you? I don't understand her. She was brought up in a convent. She doesn't understand anything. She's never gotten used to the money grubbers that she has at her dinner table. Watch out, Julien. You're the only man I can talk to, Fouquet. You're the only one who knows my determination to get ahead, as did Napoleon. There are obstacles in the climb, Julien. Most often, women. I've analyzed myself, Fouquet. That's where I'm weakest. I don't know anything about women. They, they frighten me. I can't control my emotions. I blush, I tremble, I grow pale. I must overcome this. <laughs> That's a tall order, Julien. It's a duty. I've been there three weeks. Last week, I held Madame's hand. Tonight, Fouquet, I'm determined to kiss her. Cold-bloodedly? Cold? When I see her, I become as nervous as though I were under fire. It's my duty. I can't be a coward. Tonight, by ten o'clock, I shall kiss her. I must. Do you know what you're doing, Julien? I'm not sure. But when I see her, I think of so many things at once. I think that she despises me because I'm a carpenter's son, and yet she follows me to speak with me. I know she's ashamed of it. I owe it to myself to make her love me. You owe it? Yes. So that when I'm a great man, if anyone reproaches me for being a menial tutor, I can say that love drove me to it. Is that the only reason? I'm not sure. Ah, Bernal to me is a symbol of all the vulgar, greedy, money-grubbing hogs that own the world today. I'll beat them all. I'll take everything from them. Starting with Madame Reynal. It's my duty to myself. But time goes by so fast... If I don't make my way soon, I'll lose all the energy that pushes me on. Is it possible, Julien, that you are in love with her yourself? I don't know. I don't know. But I must go on. should never have come here at this hour. I only do what I must. Julia, do you love me? You must tell me you love me. Oh, this is so wicked, so evil. If you wish, I can leave. No, no. Only I'm so frightened. I was afraid you were in love with another woman. Oh, I've been so miserable. I've never been in love with another woman. If you had, I think I should die. But it's such a great sin... What will happen to my children? Julia, I'll be punished. I know I will. Quiet. Someone will hear you. Oh, you've treated me so coldly. I couldn't stand it any longer. After all, madame, I'm only the tutor of your children. Don't say that, Julia. Don't. Wait, wait, wait. What's that? I didn't hear anything. Somebody in the corridor. One of the servants. Julia, I'm so frightened. How will I go to confession? Madame, if you love me, you would not ask that question. I try to forget. Julia, I'm so frightened. What will happen to us now? It's done, Fouquet. I can't understand it myself. (laughs) 
Who can understand women? She loves me. But I'm nothing. I'm a carpenter's son. I'm not educated. I don't understand society manners. And yet, she loves me. Are you happy, Julien? Yes. No. Oh, I don't know. I, I love her, I suppose. But it keeps gnawing at me. Do I appear correctly? Am I playing my part well? Am I doing my duty? And what of Monsieur Renal? I think he received an anonymous letter today. Oh. Madame is terrified. She keeps saying God will punish her. If I stop watching her, she'll confess everything, and that'll start a scandal. She loves me. She wants me near, and yet she's in constant torment and fear of hell. But I've, I've won, Fouquet. She loves me, even though she thinks it's a sin. Does the thought of sin bother you, Julien? No, there is no sin. Well, I'm going to Father Chelin now for religious instruction. There's an example of what matters in this country. Chelin was curé of the parish for 40 years, and then he's thrown out without a franc to make a job for somebody's nephew. Hm. What does he know about the world? Father Chelin is no fool, Julien. Perhaps he knows more than you think. <laughs> Julien, my son? Yes, Father Chalin. This is a very difficult meeting for me. When we last met, I questioned you on your vocation as a priest. My resolution is firm, Father, to devote my life to the service of God and the Church. Mm. Julien, at that time I warned you to beware if you hope to make your fortune through such a choice. I sensed a certain lack of renunciation in you. I see it now. A drive for power. Father Chalin... I have no motive other than to do my duty as a humble servant of the Lord. My son, I appreciate your intellect, but I tremble for your salvation in your career as a priest. Nevertheless, I must insist you leave your master immediately and enter the seminary at Besançon, if this is still your choice. But, Father, my position I know here... more of your position than you think. Beware of endangering your immortal soul, Julian. I have seen to everything... You must leave and not come back to Verrier for a year. Sophie! Sophie! I am right here, monsieur. What is this about you and that peasant? I? What peasant? The tutor! The tutor! I don't understand. I have enemies in this town. I can't stand any scandal. What scandal, monsieur? I don't understand. The letter, the letter, the letter! You've received a letter? An anonymous letter. And it has something to do with me and Julien? Slander, outright slander. Well, madame, what have you to say? I. This is what comes of encouraging peasants to rise above their station. After all, you hired this Sorel. That boy. is not the point. What do you propose to do about this? I? Nothing. But public opinion? You don't understand what public opinion can mean in a small town like this. I've got to get rid of this scum. I'm sure Julien can get another place in Verrières as a tutor. Why not dismiss him? What? And let Valenot get him? No, no. There's got to be some other way. If I don't take action soon, they'll be talking about the horned mayor of Verrières. I won't be a laughing stock, do you hear? I've got to do something about Julien. You would have 
loved me, my darling. I was so clever. But what did he say? He shouted at me and stormed. But I said my honor was being sullied and that you must go. That way you'll be able to stay here in Verrier and I will be able to see you. But I, uh, I can't. I have to leave. Oh, no. Julia, you can't. I know I'm damned eternally for my sin. But I don't care when you're here. I love you, Julia. I must leave for the seminary at Besançon. No, no. I have no choice. My mission calls me. I must obey. No, Julia, no. I can't bear my sin without you. I shall be punished. So terribly punished. Without me here, everything can be as it was before. No. It can never be as it was. Julia. Julia, let me die in your arms. I can't live with a terrible guilt. Julia, Julia. There you are, Fouquet. Everything turned out smoothly. She'll be happier without me. She wanted Reynal to give me 600 francs for my first year at the seminary. I won't take money from that swine... So you're off to the seminary. I'll leave for Besançon in the morning. I'll write you, Fouquet. Be careful, Julien. A seminary student is not the most free man in France. No, don't worry. I'll find a way to smuggle a letter out. Oh, if only I were going to Besançon to join a regiment as an officer. If only I could fight my way upward on a battlefield instead of by lies and hypocrisy. But I'll do it the way I must. I'm on my way up, Fouquet. Up to the top of the ladder. And the next rung is Bézassin. Your name? Julien Sorel. Ah, Sorel. You were recommended to me by Father Chalon. Then you are Father Pirard? Apparently. Father Chalon's letter is short. I recommend to you Julien Sorel of this parish. He lacks neither memory or intelligence, and he has some faculty for reflection. Will he persevere in his calling? Is he sincere? Sincere? Mm -hmm. Well, I have here 321 aspirants for the most holy state. Do you speak Latin? Ita, pater optimi. We'll see. I understand you are well versed in scripture... How much money have you, my son? Thirty-five francs, my father. I'll write out carefully how you use the money. You will have to give me an account of it. Giselle. Yes, Reverend Father. Uh, Giselle, go and install Julien Sorel in cell number 103. Now, remember, my son, you are recommended by my friend, Shalam. But my protection means neither favor nor weakness. It means double severity against vice. Go now. And lock this door behind you. My dear friend Fouquet, I smuggle this letter out through a peasant who supplies firewood. I am now established at the seminary. Looking around me at my fellow seminarists, I predict a brilliant future for myself. They are almost all the son of peasants who prefer to live by reciting some Latin words rather than by plowing the earth. Oh, I should have been a sergeant under Napoleon. But among these future cures, I shall be a grand vicar. 
Knowledge means nothing here, only obedience. I must place mistakes in my composition so that I do not come out on top. That would be a grave error. My fellows see in their vocation a long life of happiness in eating well and wearing a warm coat. I must appear to be like them. The greatest mistake is to appear different. I must be careful. Already I have heard some peasants refer to me as Martin Luther. But I will deceive them easily. If you can, send me a copy of the radical paper Constitutional from Paris. They cost 30 sous in here, and I cannot afford it. You sent for me, Father Pierre. I have just received the examination list, Julian. Yes, Father. You are listed 198th. Have you any explanation? Yes, Father. I answered all the examiner's questions on Saint Jerome, the early church fathers. The examiner went on to ask me questions about Horace, Virgil, and other ancient authors. When I answered correctly, he reproached me for wasting time on such works and suggested they had given me criminal ideas. Hmm. I see. Julian, I have enemies in the seminary and in the diocese, and I fear you have been made the victim... I am overjoyed that I should be deemed worthy to be attacked for your sake, Reverend Father. There's something about you, Julian. Your intellect is superior and you have the outward appearance of honesty. I want to protect you when I am gone. Gone, Father? Yes. My enemies within the seminary and without have finally triumphed. After 15 years, I'm leaving. I will appoint you tutor in New Testament before I go... This position will protect you. Oh, I am unworthy, Father. Perhaps. Uh, Julian, do you know where the bishop's palace is? Yes, Father. Take this letter to my lord. It is my resignation. I'm sending you into the midst of wolves. Be all eyes and ears. Remember that the man questioning you will possibly experience a real joy in being able to hurt you for hatred of me. Go now. And God be with you. An excellent dinner, Philair. I am complimented, my Lord Bishop. I uh, thought the fish a trifle overdone. Oh, not at all, not at all. I am very pleased. An excellent dinner. Uh, by the way, who is that clever-looking seminarist I saw waiting outside? Oughtn't they be in bed by now, according to the rules? This one is wide awake, my Lord, and he brings great news. The resignation of the only Jansenist residing in your diocese. <laughs> I, I challenge you to replace him with any man of equal worth. But, my lord... Fidelia, I'm going to invite him to dinner. My lord, we've been trying to unseat him for years. Now, about his successor... Uh, before we install another, suppose we find out something about the circumstances under which the present one is going. Uh, bring in the student. Truth is often found in the mouth of babes. But, my lord, Bishop, is it wise... Fidelia? Yes. Yes, my lord. You, boy. Yes, Father. Come inside. His Lordship wishes to speak with you. Yes, Father. My deepest reverence, my Lord. You may rise, boy. Perhaps I will start by questioning you on your studies. Are you prepared? Always to show my duty and obedience, my Lord. Hmm, a smooth tongue, eh, Frilair? Hmm. Well, let us begin with our little examination. <laughs> 
Very good, young man. Very good. Excellent. I am not worthy, my lord. Ah, but you are remarkably learned in the ancient authors, Cicero, Virgil, Horace. Hmm. You could not have studied better. My lord, your seminary can offer you 197, much less unworthy of your high esteem. 197? I don't believe it. How is that? I can support that by official proof, my lord. I received the number 198 at the annual examination by giving accurate answers to the very questions which my lord has just asked me. What is this? My respected examiner instructed me that I was wasting time and gaining criminal ideas by reading the very authors that you have mentioned. Is that so? Well, <laughs> Frilair, is this the young man you were telling me of, the uh, protégé of Pirat? I'm afraid so, my lord. <laughs> well, well, well. You will go far, young man, but I do not wish to cut short your brilliant career by making you die of hunger. You will join me for supper. That is too much honor, my lord. Not enough, boy. It is a pleasure to hear a well-turned phrase of Latin. I shall give you a present. Uh, are you acquainted with Tacitus? No, my lord. I shall present you with my set. Frilair, bring them from the library. And bring a pen. I shall inscribe them to this brilliant, daring young man. <laughs> Sorel, if you are good, you will have one day the best living in my diocese, not 100 leagues from my Episcopal palace. But you must be good. <clears throat> now, let us go to supper. <laughs> My dear Fouquet, I have triumphed over my enemies. My lord the bishop has given me a set of Tacitus with his name inscribed on a flyleaf, and before the day was over, the news had spread through the seminary. The peasants crowd around me and congratulate me on the honor of having spent two hours with the bishop. The instructors seek me out. The bishop has invited Father Pirard to dinner, and so everybody says he's back in favor. I know Pirard is the protege of the Marquis de la Mole, the great nobleman of Paris. Oh, how they disgust me. The petty squabbles and pride, the money-grubbing, the boot-licking. But that is how you get on in the world. Although I believe in my heart that Pirard is honest. Oh, how I long for the days of Napoleon. When I could rise through courage and daring. Instead, I must practice cunning and duplicity. But I shall be a master of these arts. Your friend, Julien. Julien, my son. Yes, father. How long will it take you to gather your belongings? I belong. But why, father? You are in danger here at the seminary. But the bishop is... Neither his quixotic invitation to dinner nor his presentation of Tacitus will save you when I am gone. Julien... You are a wise fool indeed. Am I, Father? Uh, the world is an evil place where God's very shepherds divide and squabble over spoils. I have fought the Jesuits during my term here. They will sweep everything when I leave. So, you must leave with me. Leave the seminary? But where shall I go? How can I go out into the follies and vice of the outside world? I have arranged everything, my son. You go to Paris. Paris? Be ready within an hour. We leave on the evening mail. My dear friend Fouquet, a short note. I leave in 20 minutes for Paris. Paris! The center of intrigue and hypocrisy where the great of the church and the state play their parts in the struggle for power. I shall be in their midst. 
This is my chance to prove that I can rise as fast as any man in the Emperor's time. My weapons will be flattery and hypocrisy. And with them, I will conquer all Paris. From Hollywood, the NBC Theater is bringing you a dramatization of The Red and the Black by Stendhal. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stendhal, whose novel The Red and the Black we dramatize today, was almost the first novelist to portray character in its mixture of good and evil, rather than all of a piece, either hero or villain. And this facet of his writing is most completely illustrated in Julien Sorel, the hero of today's drama, whom we invite you to meet again in Act Two of The Red and the Black. It's so big, Father. I've never seen so many people. Uh, and none you've ever seen have been the like of these Parisians. This is the nest of revolution and atheism, Julien. Yes, Father. Now, we have only a short ride to attend. I have arranged for you to be secretary to Monsieur le Marquis de la Mole. He is one of the greatest lords in France. A secretary? But... If you do not please him, you go back to the seminary. You will wear black, but not clerical clothing. But what will my position be? I won't be a servant, Father. I couldn't. Julien. The Marquis will accept you as a gentleman. He hopes that you will become a companion to his son, Count Norbert. How old is this Count, Father? Your age. He will look down on you, Julien. Be careful how you answer him. Or he will despise you. Why should I even answer a man who despises me? The family of Monsieur le Marquis trace their ancestry back to the Crusades. Money means nothing to them. They are unbelievably proud. They have the divine right of respect from creatures without birth, like you and me. But you're a priest, Father. Yes. They consider us spiritual ballots, hired because we are necessary for their salvation. Father, I do not think I shall be in Paris long. Remember, Julien, no man in our class can make his fortune except through these great lords. I myself owe my present living to the Marquis. Remember that. Here we are now. The townhouse of Monsieur le Marquis de la Mole. Keep your head high, Julien. You will be among lackeys who will resent you and do their best to make fun of you. I will handle them, Father. Good. Then let us go in and present you to Monsieur le Marquis. So... This is your little student, Pirates? Yes, my lord. Uh-huh. Yes, you will take him to the tailor and the bootmaker. Oh, uh, would you have any objections to Monsieur Sorel's taking dancing lessons? Dancing lessons? To, uh, improve the general demeanor. Have you any objections? No. Julian is not yet a priest. Good, good. Uh, how many shirts have you, Monsieur Sorel? Two, my lord. Very good. Get 22 more. Arsène will serve you. He is to dress you as monsieur. And now, let me see how you can take dictation. There is pen and ink. Ready? Yeah, yes, my lord. Very well. Monsieur le duc de Grenet, 
It has been called to my attention that your lands at Baisançon, which are situated three miles to the northwest, have... Let me see what you've written. Uh, here, here, my lord. Uh-huh. Yes, you're not sure of your spelling. Only in Latin, my lord. You spell situated with a C-H. You will kindly look up words you cannot spell in the dictionary. Oh, good evening, father. I... Oh, I'm sorry. Please excuse me. Gentlemen, this is my son, Count Nerdbear. Honored. Nerdbear, I wish to ask all your good offices for this young man, Monsieur Julien Sorel. For a secretary, he's well situated. He spells it with a C-H. I'm pleased to meet you, Monsieur Sorel. I was just on my way out for a ride on horseback. If you're finished with him, Father, perhaps he might accompany me. Take him. He's yours. Monsieur le Comte, if it were a question of felling an 80-foot tree or sawing it into planks, I would be glad to join you. But riding a horse is something I have done only six times in my life. Well, let this be the seventh. Come along, there's just time for a gallop before dinner. Allow me to present my sister, Monsieur Sorel, Mademoiselle Mathilde. A pleasure, Monsieur Sorel. Well, and uh, how is the ride? Is my secretary any better on a horse than with a spelling? It was a pleasant afternoon, Father. Monsieur Sorel did as well as could be expected. Count Norbert is too kind to me, sir. He let me have the quietest and prettiest horse, but after all, he could not tie me onto it. And for lack of that precaution, I rolled off into the mud at the Place Louise Yezième. <laughs> How dashing, Monsieur Sorel. Do give us the details. Now, now, Mathilde, be charitable. Monsieur Sorel has done well to tell us about it so frankly. It uh, does him credit. Oh, I agree, sister. If Julian would agree to go to riding school to assure the safety of life and limb, I would like nothing better than to ride with him. <laughs> I'm sorry, Monsieur Sorel, but... <laughs> falling in the mud. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> My dear Fouquet, Monsieur le Marquis is very kind, but I'm isolated here. The custom seems strange to me, and I have no doubt the valets laugh at my blunders. The Marquis and his wife have an utmost contempt for anyone who is not of the nobility. And the daughter, Mathilde, a wild-eyed blonde, seems prouder than either of them. She expects me to crawl and be servile, but I shall refuse. Monsieur le Marquis has been confined at home for six weeks with an attack of gout... This morning he had a blue suit sent up to my room with instructions to put it on and report to him in the evening with the newspapers and a copy of Virgil. Perhaps something is about to happen. Julia, I have a favor to ask of you. Yes, my lord. I want you to go to the opera every evening at half past seven and watch all the people in society coming out into the vestibule. I want you to watch carefully and rid yourself of certain provincial mannerisms that cling to you. Call at the box office and get identified. I've arranged for your admission. Thank you, my lord. Oh, I'm half dead with boredom at this point. But I find you are a young man of ideas. It's distasteful to me to be visited by my secretary, so when you see me in the evening in your blue suit, uh, I shall look upon you as... Uh, the son of my old friend, the Duke de Chaume. Do you understand? I'm not sure, my lord. Well, in black, you're my secretary. In blue, my friend, by an innocent fiction. 
Now then, I want you to tell me the little incidents of your life. Oh, but you must make them amusing. One must amuse oneself. That is the only reality in life. Observe, though, I do not wish you to forget your place. And when you no longer suit me, I shall ask a good living for you, like pirates and nothing more. You are a proud young man, and I presume you'd prefer that arrangement. I would, my lord. Very well, then. Amuse me. My friend Fouquet, life goes on. In the morning, the secretary in the black suit, the evening in blue. I am disturbed over one thing, Mademoiselle de la Mole. I cannot make up my mind whether she's making fun of me or not. Today, she asked me to come to a ball with her brother. Huh. How she despises me. She exaggerates all fashions. She has a queer way of bowing and looking at you. Her dress falls down almost to her shoulders and is extremely low cut. She has a sharp tongue and punishes those who displease her with her wit. I will continue my letter later. Now I shall go to the ball and see. Ah, Monsieur Sorel. Enjoying ourselves? I am afraid I am a drab spot in the gathering of uniforms and ribbons. Monsieur Sorel, I think being condemned to death is the only real distinction. It cannot be bought. Oh, come, sister. You're joking. Oh, no, no, Bear. A title can be bought. A cross means nothing. You just got one yourself merely for being son to a king's minister. You can win a great fortune merely by marrying Monsieur Rothschild's daughter. But being condemned to death, that's the one privilege no one has ever thought of buying. Mm, I should think not. Why would anyone want to be executed in this day and age? There are no longer any real passions in the 19th century. That's why one is so easily bored in France. People commit acts of the greatest cruelty, but without any feeling of cruelty. When one does commit a crime, one should at least take pleasure in committing it. Exactly, Monsieur Sorel. You'll excuse me now. I must take some punch and dance a lot. I shall see you later, Nobert. An excellent ball, eh, Sorel? It is my first, monsieur. I have no way of judging. And Mathilde is the prettiest one here. See how her black dress stands out against the colors. Uh, may I ask, monsieur, is there any particular significance to her dress? Is she in mourning? Oh, it's the 30th of April. I don't understand. We had an ancestor who was beheaded on the 30th of April in 1574. His name was Boniface de la Mole, and he was the lover of Queen Marguerite de Valois. He tried to rescue her from prison, and, uh... <laughs> Mathilde wears mourning for him every year. I think she's in love with his memory. I believe she lives about 100 years to the rear. <laughs> well, well, I've made an epigram. I shall have to save it and use it again. My dear Fouquet... It is now a month since the ball. Mathilde has suddenly become very interested in the library where I copy my letters. We have had long conversations in the garden, and when we returned, she leaned upon my arm. She listens to me gently now, she who is haughty in the salons. I must not allow myself to be insulted by her. It would end everything. It would be humorous if she loved me. I am either mad or she's making advances to me. 
But somehow I still feel that girl is making fun of me. She's only 19, and she is pretty. If I could only hear her thoughts, I must know if she loves me. If I could only see behind those coals... for an hour. And I can't remember a word of the conversation. I must be in love. Where else can a young, witty, beautiful girl of my own age find sensations, if not in love? But it must be a deep love, just like in the romantic novels. There's a grandeur and audacity in daring to love a man so far beneath me in social position. I suppose I should love someone of our own class, but what good is a love that makes me yawn? Ah, but for Julien, it is a love of Marguerite de Valois for my ancestor. <laughs> At any rate, it will be amusing to indulge in a grand passion. Dangerous, but without a grand passion, I should be bored to death. My dear Fouquet, I send you, hidden in the cover of a Protestant Bible, a letter from Mathilde. It is a simple letter, a declaration of love. This makes me equal to all of those uniformed dandies I hate. But I must protect myself. This letter she has sent me may be a plot to humiliate me. I must make sure that the original is not taken from me, so I send it on to you. She wants me to come to visit her by moonlight. I can only conclude it is a plot... Think of climbing up a 25-foot ladder in the moonlight. But if I don't, she will think me a coward. If it's a trap, they'll be waiting for me with loaded pistols. They'll shoot first and then ask questions. Well, Julien, your honor is at stake. Your duty is clear. I go now to procure a ladder. Oh, there you are. I've been waiting for you for an hour. What is that in your coat pocket? A pistol. Oh? I've got to get that ladder away. Someone will see it. I have a rope here. You can tie it to the top rung and lower the ladder. Uh, Is it long enough? Yes. Careful. You mustn't crush the flower bed. I've got it. There. Mathilde. Let go of my arm. I think we'd better talk, monsieur. For the time being, it'll be safer. Mademoiselle Is it necessary for you to follow me into the garden, Monsieur Sorel? Is it not possible that I wish to be alone? I wish to speak to you. For three days now, you have avoided me. Do you think you have acquired some strong rights over me? Do you think because of a, a momentary indiscretion I have given myself a master? I realize, Mademoiselle, that you are my superior. If you wish, I will never address you again. Perhaps that would be best. So you love me no more. I am horrified at having loved the first man who came along. First man? Mademoiselle, were this another time, I would take the risk of killing you. I take my leave. Good day. Julia! Julia! Forgive me. I am listening, Mademoiselle. You must understand. I, I cannot bear the thought of anyone commanding me, 
having rights over me. But I don't care anymore. Love me. Despise me, but love me. You know how proud I am. I, too, have pride. Julia. Julia, I hate you. And yet I love you. If Mademoiselle de la Mole will give me time to reflect upon this, I will see you in the evening. Julia. Julia, wait. Come back. I love you. My friend Fouquet, these last weeks have been so difficult. Mathilde throws herself at me one day and is proud and haughty the next. Once I found myself telling her the truth of my love for her, but I soon recovered. To appear soft and loving would ruin everything for me. She would despise me, so I must never speak frankly to her. Now she has sent me a note through a grinning footman to meet her in the library. It's the toss of a coin whether she loves me or hates me at this moment. Julia, I'm going to have a child. Oh? There. It is guaranteed that I am your wife forever. You're sure? I've written to my father. I don't think we should try to deceive him for a minute. What are you going to do? My duty. He'll throw me out in disgrace. It is his right to do so. I'll give you my arm and we'll go out the front door in full daylight. Uh, Can't we... I mean, does it have to be now? Can't we wait a week to tell him? Maybe two. No. It is a question of honor. I must do my duty. I have the letter written. My father, all social ties have been broken between us. Only those of nature remain. If you wish it, I shall go and settle in Switzerland with my husband and his child. However low may be the station from which he has sprung, I am certain he will raise himself. My Julien would attain a high position even under the present regime if he had a million and my father's protection. Are you sure you can't wait a week at least? Julien, I have already sent him the letter. This is a copy. Monsieur Sorel? Yes, Arsène. The Marquis wishes to see you at once, dressed or undressed. I'm coming. He's furious, Monsieur Sorel. Look out. Ungrateful scum, slime, refuse from a village dump heap. Well, what have you to say? You stand there in your black coat like a sniveling choir boy. Say something, dog. Sir... I have served you well. I was grateful. But I'm only 22. Only you and that charming person understood my thoughts in this household. Charming? Charming? Is my daughter to go by the name of Madame Sorel? Is she to be a peasant, the wife of a jack-legged, disgraced priest? Sir, if you will give me a pen and paper... Here. I will write you a note. I can no longer bear my life... So I am putting an end to it. I request Monsieur le Marquis to accept my apologies for any embarrassment that may be caused by my death in his house. There. Now, kill me or have me killed by your valet. No. No, Father. Mathilde! 
Have you been listening like a common housemaid? Father, I warn you. If Julian dies, I shall go into mourning and announce myself publicly as the widow Sorel. Oh, who could have anticipated this? You were so proud, even more than I. A girl whose hand has been asked for by the cream of the nobility of France. Now get him out of my sight, out, or I shall kill him. Mathilde, how could you? The son of a carpenter. My dear Fouquet, from the depths of despair, I am now raised to the heights. The Marquis has settled on me an income of 20,000 francs. He's revolted at the thought of his daughter as common Madame Sorel. So he has obtained for me a commission as lieutenant of hussars and has circulated the rumor that I am really the son of a southern nobleman. I am now called Monsieur Julien Sorel de la Vernay. You see, I have now my greatest ambition. I am a soldier as was Napoleon. I've reached the end of my romance... And I deserve all the credit. I have managed to win the love of that monster of pride. Tomorrow I'll leave for Strasbourg and my regiment. I have reached my goal. The road to power is open before me. Nothing now can go wrong. Nothing. Sorel... I forgive you everything except trying to seduce my daughter because she's rich. Father. I've learned the truth. Read this letter I've received. A letter? From the wife of the mayor of Verrières, Madame de Renal. Read it and see what a vile monster this man is. I've, I won't. Read it. My duties to the sacred cause of religion and morality oblige me to write you the truth as it has been revealed to me about Julien Sorel. Poor and greedy, though the man is, it is by the aid of the most consummate hypocrisy and by seducing a weak and unhappy woman that he's endeavored to make a career for himself and has become someone in the world. I believe Monsieur Julien has no religious principles. I believe that it is one of his schemes to obtain power in a household by seducing the woman with the greatest influence. Thus, he may do what he likes with the master. But, Julia... I cannot blame Monsieur le Marquis. After this letter, what father would give his daughter to such a man? Julia, where are you going? Revenge myself. Goodbye. Here, who are you pushing out of my way? What do you mean? I've got just as much right to go to Mass as the next. Hey, out of my way. That woman in the black veil. There she is. Hey, you crazy? Put that pistol away. Julian! There he is, Monsieur Fouquet. He won't talk to anybody. Thank you, Taylor. Julien. It's all over, Fouquet. Guillotine inside of two weeks. Julien, Why? I told the magistrate I shot her. I bought the pistols. Article 1342 of the penal code is clear. I deserve death, and I expect it. I have squared my accounts with humanity. Well, Fouquet, what are they saying in Verrières? You'll be glad to hear Madame Renal will recover. 
She isn't dead. You mean she isn't dead? A superficial wound. You know, I'm glad. Strange. I thought she had destroyed my happiness forever with that letter. Now, if I could only kill myself. Julien. Oh, I'll live as long as they let me. Six weeks, five, maybe. Napoleon went on living. A young lady has arrived in Verrier, Julien. She goes under the name of Madame Michelet. But I'm sure it is Mademoiselle de la Mole. I will not see her, Fouquet. As far as she is concerned, I'm dead. Now, I wish you would leave me. I must concentrate on finding the courage to go to the guillotine. Silence! Silence! Prisoner, have you anything to say before the jury retires? No, Julien. You've got them now. You'll be acquitted if you keep silent. Let go my arm, Fouquet. Gentlemen of the jury, I am one of you, a peasant, who has rebelled against the meanness of his fortune. I do not ask you for pardon. Death awaits me. It will be just. My crime was atrocious, and it was premeditated. But for some of you, the greatest crime I have committed is to have obtained a good education and to be bold enough to mix with what the pride of the rich calls society. That is my crime, gentlemen. And it will be punished severely. And the jury will retire to consider its verdict. Verdict of the jury has been handed me. They find Julien Sorel guilty of murder with premeditation. I therefore sentence him to death by guillotine within the month. Is it not odd, Fouquet? You... You cannot conjugate the verb guillotine in all its tenses. I should be guillotined, you should be guillotined, he should be guillotined. But the past tense. You can't say, I have been guillotined. Julien, you can appeal. I will not appeal. I am guilty. That alone is truth. Fouquet, do you know that all my life I love truth? Where is it? Hypocrisy everywhere, even in the greatest even in Napoleon. Man cannot trust man. Where is truth in religion? In the seminary? In God? Perhaps in the God of Voltaire? Just, good, infinite? Oh, why should I still play the hypocrite by cursing hypocrisy? Well, I shall climb... I shall climb the thirteen steps of the gallows and face the guillotine with the same dishonesty, the same hypocrisy with which I faced the world. I will show them I can die like a soldier of Napoleon. It was a clear, sunny day and the vendors of cakes and oranges did a brisk business. 
The bourgeois of Verrières paid well for windows facing the square, where the towering scaffold of the guillotine stood in the sunlight. The governor of the prison had his best carved armchair set out in front of the steps, and the abbe Maslon and Monsieur Chauzin, the banker, shared the expense of a pavilion to shield them from the sun. And after it was over, they all went home and had a heavy dinner with the best local wine at three francs a bottle and enjoyed themselves immensely. You have heard The Red and the Black by Stendhal, as adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. In our cast today, Stendhal was portrayed by Gain Whitman. Fouquet was Donald Morrison. Julien was Whitfield Connor. Sorel was David Wolfe. Elisa was Lucille Alex. Madame Renal was Lynn Whitney. Monsieur Renal was Stanley Farrar. Father Chelan was Norman Field. Father Pirard was Earl Lee. Marquis de Lamal was Don Randolph. Norbert was Grace Stafford. Mathilde was Georgia Ellis. Your announcer, Don Stanley.